Today's podcast is sponsored by Doit. Reduce your cloud spend by improving your cloud efficiency with Doit, an award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS. Find out more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Michael Levan. My name is Kristina Devochko. And today we have a couple of folks on and we're going to be talking about all things Litmos Chaos Engineering, which is an open source chaos engineering tool. We'll let our experts on the panel today kind of go into that a little bit for us. But gentlemen, how are you? How's it going? How's your day going so far? Hopefully everything is well. Hey, Michael. Hey, Christina. This is Prithvi here, and it's it's been going great. And thank you so much once again for inviting us to talk about all things chaos engineering with Litmus. Hey, guys. It's me, Cheyenne. Uh, it's, the day is going great so far for me. And yeah, I'm a software engineer, too. I've uh, been working on this Litmus project. Excited to talk about it and discover more chaos engineering. Awesome. I've done a fair amount uh, around chaos engineering in, in various Kubernetes clusters, primarily around just like, you know, how's the fault tolerance uh, with pods? If I kill all these pods away, is everything going to, you know, work as expected? Is the resilience there? Is, you know, a self-healing there, et cetera? So that's been a lot of my experience around it. Is there really anything else to it? I'm sure there is, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you guys can let us know a little bit around it and also just, you know, around the tool itself. Why Litmus? Why are you guys kind of working on this now initially you know chaos was thought as a practice where you know it was all about building confidence in the system and it was all started with uh, netflix where they open source uh, this tool called chaos monkey and the idea was to just curate some production level failures and basically as you as you call them pod deletes today in the kubernetes environment but then later on it it just grew where you know chaos was just i agree with the fact that it was a lot about failures but it was seen as failures in all parts of your system each kind of infrastructure uh, when you're building an application there are so many layers to it there are so many dependencies every day and we are living in a dynamic world right i mean kubernetes was built and then as community folks created so many problems around kubernetes itself so these problems were something that chaos engineering believed in in resolving and that is where we grew from this production level failures i mean it was initially uh, one uh, failure that was induced by chaos monkey and then it became the simian army where multiple failures were induced at a particular time and then there were a lot of enterprise level tools that came up but open sourcing it was always the goal and that is why after chaos monkey litmus became the first uh, cncf project out there in terms of chaos engineering and uh, initially it was just for kubernetes where we were having failures for pods nodes containers but slowly the idea was to have more failures and i mean initially if i talk about litmus it wasn't even a cncf project it was having another project for cloud native data that was open ebs again that's another popular data level project and we were writing some tests for open ebs itself back in 2017 2018 and then you know the project became so popular for open ebs itself and a few kubernetes level tests and it started with pod delete as i mentioned people started running pod delete like anything and that's why it eventually became a cncf project and a sandbox project but if i have to talk about litmus today then litmus has grown on to become a really popular project obviously it's an open source chaos engineering tool but it's also about bringing a change initially chaos engineering was seen as a practice for only sres or qa engineers but today i i see a lot of developers a lot of uh, devops engineers 
especially the developer persona who started using chaos inducing fault and today you can, you can see faults uh, i mean application level failures you can see i mean even who are on still on the monolithic architecture they are you know trying to define chaos in some sense and and chaos has expanded to many more failures i mean there are vm level failures and and so many more failures that we are seeing kafka failures and all that so i think chaos has expanded into becoming a more of a necessity than a luxury today and that's why litmus with its set of capabilities and the experiments that has had beyond kubernetes as well has has become a tool set that the community is preferring i wanted to mention a few things so this principle in general like the chaos engineering term in general is often thought of as this very disruptive service and often people call it as in production that's where people back off like i don't want things to go wrong in prod but yeah you can essentially do this in multiple ways so instead of directly prod which is of course a bit risky you can do pre qa qa uh, and then prod you can essentially also turn it into like a pipeline you can also like introduce this concept of game days where you plan out a certain chaos healthy fashion and not like something going out at random so you plan it and then you do these kind of things so these ideologies generally if you combine them together that's what we wanted to bring with litmus and uh, that is where we are at currently testing in terms of test coverages we had a lot of tests e2e tests integration tests uh, unit tests so the dev side of the loop was pretty much covered when we were thinking about this uh, when it comes to ops we tend to neglect like most of the infrastructure uh, and the bottom layers of the of our kubernetes or like i try to uh, like a you know the deployment pyramid basically so the bottom layer is uh, mostly neglected so that is where chaos engineering comes in and we wanted to pack everything up together and bring out a tool and that's how litmus came into picture yeah i found this topic to be very interesting i have been myself working with a few of the tools from the chaos engineering space and uh, apart from it being a cool name and having a cool uh, <laughs> role like a chaos engineer on the cv that many joke about but i think like when we uh, think about operations teams a very typical activity that they have is like business continuity planning and disaster recovery plan testing and this is where i do feel that this also comes into play real nicely because having these chaos engineering tools like litmus chaos can also help you simulate those outages be it a region outage or a service outage or verifying how your applications are handling disruption for instance this is kind of where you can get to test those close to reality scenarios and i have also heard about chaos engineering even being talked in the context of security as well where you could also use that to see how secure your applications are and if you're able to get in in case if you simulate some disruptions with such tools which i find also to be very interesting like the security aspect of it it hasn't been talked much about until recently I feel of course you can go to greater lens with uh, these different kind of experiments and uh, one thing that i really find fascinating about these kind of faults like we call it is basically you can induce whatever faults you want to uh, and we kind of give it like templatization layer on top of whatever you want to build so let's say you want to build something that just goes in and does some kind of a ransomware attack you can definitely do that but yeah of course it will be in safer layers and we provide this feature called as a revert chaos which is basically like safe rollback of whatever you do just in case something goes wrong something is like stuck in a loop or something then uh, we have like safe cutoff time which is like a timeout uh, and these can be configured according to your wishes so we have a cr called chaos engine where you can do all this kind of tunables and um, update the tune in, tune the uh, fault according to your wishes 
once you do that, let's say you do some kind of a security or anything that can cause harm to your system. Of course, uh, first suggestion would be never try this in prod if you're doing any kind of security things. Uh, do this in pre-QA. And then if something goes wrong, uh, once that timeout hits, uh, we would have a safe rollback to what it previously was. In that case, uh, nothing generally has a disruptive uh, side to this. But yeah, it's generally uh, something you do to test how far you can take this type of uh, falls. Like when you mentioned testing in production, what I have seen a lot when we talk about chaos engineering, the question that often comes up is precisely that with testing in production, because normally it comes up as a thing that you can do. And often you get to hear that, yeah, you should be testing in production. That's where the actual configuration is. And it is hard to get the environment that is really similar to production. But there are many concerns out there, like from the community that I have been talking to, for example, that there are concerns. Like even if you have a rollback mechanism, you still may cause some disruption. So my question would be in this case, what would you say regarding testing in production is it just a kind of a hype word or is this really something that is a regular thing that you would recommend utilizing these tools to uh, for like latmus cows for instance as christina mentioned and rightly said that it's it's a concern today that i mean not just today since the start of chaos engineering itself people have uh, cited it as a concern that do we test in production directly is it safe there are a lot of things that can go wrong and obviously the eventual goal is to test in production but from a community perspective we or i i would usually recommend that before going into production, maybe perhaps organizing a certain set of game days or initially testing in your uh, pre-prod or uh, staging environment is something that, that is recommended because obviously the eventual goal is to test in production, but there are a lot of things that might go wrong if you're not aware because chaos engineering as a practice itself was in a nascent stage and still is because there's not a lot of expertise out there. There's a lot of things that can go wrong and even even with a rollback mechanism, it's not easy to handle or minimize the blast radius or make sure that things go right. So that is why running it in a sample application or having a set of mechanism in terms of metrics, uh, analyzing and logs, everything need to be uh, set in place. And that is why us as a community have also run a lot of game days initially just to understand how, how will chaos react when it actually is being induced or injected in, in an application in production. But as I mentioned, I'll recommend it before going into production, before gaining that confidence, if if one can run it in a staging environment, then that's better for sure. It's ironic, the, the whole testing and production thing. I think that, you know, there's one set of people that it's like, yeah, totally makes sense. And then there's another set of people that like, if you say it, you're going to get fired from your job, right? <laughs> the ironic thing is everybody should be more or less testing in production. It's the same thing as backups. Backups are real easy to take. Almost nobody tests the recovery. And it's the same thing as like any test, right? So like you could run a whole bunch of chaos engineering tests in dev and staging and, and yada yada. But it's like you don't really know until you know. You know, I think that more people should adopt that mindset because outages happen like a lot, <laughs> like more than it's talked about. And it for everybody, for the 10 person startup and for Microsoft and AWS and everybody else, they happen for everybody. And we hear about them and we see them and way more happen than we actually hear about and see most likely, chances are. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, that that's, I guess that's more of a statement. Like, yeah, I think everybody should kind of adopt that. 
And then the question that I have for you guys is the chaos engineering role. That sounds like a really good segue for somebody that's spent X amount of years as like a QA engineer, for example. So somebody that's been in QA for a long time, it sounds like that would be like a new, great, naturally progressing role for them. Is that kind of accurate to say? Today's sponsor, Doit, can help you with your cloud challenges. Maybe you want to maximize your cloud use while controlling your costs. Perhaps the issue is balancing resource utilization while delivering agile IT. Maybe you just can't get good support from your cloud partners. Doit can help. An award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS, Doit works with over 3,000 customers to save them time and money. Doit combines intelligent software with expert consultancy and unlimited support to deliver cloud at peak efficiency with ease. The Doit team knows multi-cloud, cloud analytics, optimization, governance, Kubernetes, AI, and more. Work with Doit to optimize your cloud investment so you can stay focused on business growth. Learn more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. In this case, I would say QAs, SREs do tend to have an upper hand because they have uh, experience in testing, but it's not really like you are specifically manually testing in this case. So in chaos, it's mostly like uh, figuring out what could go wrong and simulating these processes, which is something that uh, even if you're not a QA or a SRE, anybody can go through. So even if you're a dev and you have, uh, you you run like, let's say a you're in a Kubernetes cluster trying to do something and something goes wrong, you can just simulate that behavior in this chaos uh, scenario and then you can uh, try it out because uh, something might have gone wrong with your specific cluster, but you might never know when that could be an outage. So potentially every uh, persona in this case can and should give uh, inputs uh, when it comes to these kind of uh, scenario building. And then once you have enough uh, good scenarios or common scenarios and then specific to your use case scenarios, then you can formulate and create a game day and then you can uh, safely roll it out to broad. Got it. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily like you need to have a QA and testing background. If you do, you have an upper hand kind of in a sense, but it's not like you need it to jump into chaos engineering. Definitely. You do not need it. There are these three uh, golden steps to just uh, rolling out chaos engineering if you haven't started as of yet. is like, like you mentioned the backup. So you keep a backup of your prod, preferably let's say QA or something staging. And then once you have it, you form teams who can do this kind of a scenario building challenge. So you come up with different scenarios. Let's say if you're if you're just starting out, just write two or three scenarios and just make sure because whatever you ship to prod is definitely stable, right? You would not uh, ship unstable code. So once you have that confidence that I have a backup of uh, this in QA, you roll this out in QA and you try it out. And once you're confident enough, instead of just you know directly going to prod, just run it in the pipeline or something. So whenever you deploy uh, the safe set of uh, chaos uh, scenarios are ran on a stable build. So that gives you enough confidence uh, if you're trying it out for the first time. While we're talking about scenarios, like one that Michael mentioned is like deleting the pods. That kind of sounds yeah, simple, straightforward, makes sense. But I know that typically there are a bunch of different scenarios that you could kind of use to simulate different situations. So in terms of performing chaos experiments in Kubernetes and also in terms of available scenarios in Litmus Chaos, are there some scenarios that you would like to like highlight that you have seen the community been benefiting and sharing their experience that have been useful to test 
with the tool in Kubernetes to have some other examples apart from deleting the pods. Yeah, and actually adding on to what Christina said, uh, maybe for everybody that's listening, can you define like what a game day is, what a scenario is, and then any other chaos engineering terms? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I'll, I'll add uh, something there because uh, there, there's a lot of input that has come from the community and I think that has helped us create a set of experiments. So first of all, Litmus itself has an SDK which helps you write your own experiments. So one is uh, the marketplace, that's the chaos hub. So that is where all the predefined experiments that have been contributed by the community or that were already there are present. And other than just pod delete, there's been uh, the pod network corruption, the disk fill experiment, the pod DNS error. I think these are a few really popular experiments that have uh, the memory kill experiment. So I think these are a few really popular experiments that have been used by the community. And I, I have seen almost uh, uh, the experiments have, I think, more than, uh, I'm not sure, 5 million runs or, or something of that sort. I'm not sure. Of the but the recent uh, Docker pools, if you say, have almost crossed uh, 14 million. So I think that cool. is kind of testimony to the fact that chaos is being used a lot. And then other than these popular experiments, I think uh, the community demanded for, as, as I mentioned initially, for more experiments beyond that. So I think uh, something that has come from the community is uh, Spring Boot experiments, uh, VM Power Off came from the community. There's a Kafka experiment, Cassandra experiment that came from the community. So these are the experiments that are already available. But then again, as I mentioned about the SDK initially, so the SDK allows you to just write experiments on Go or Python or Ansible, and you can contribute it back in terms of a community contribution. But if, if that's not the case, then uh, Litmus also allows you to host a private chaos hub. That is, you're not contributing it back to the community, but you are using Litmus uh, as a tool and then you're writing a own experiments hosting them as a yaml file on your hub and then running them for yourself so that is also helpful in terms of experimentation and if you if you talk about a game day i mean there's a lot you can talk about it but it's basically let's say an organization or a group of people they they are running uh, chaos in an actual environment and they are trying to identify how will the system behave when when that sort of an outage happens so there's a predefined set of things that they're writing down what kind of teams will be using it who's the sre or what what kind of slos are being defined there and then the team is set and then what are the chaos experiments they'll be running so as i think christina was asking what's the scenario exactly so a scenario is basically a set of experiments chaos experiments that are uh, being run together they can be run in series or they can be run parallelly as well that is defined as a scenario so let's say for example i'm, I'm taking an example let's say you're running a pod delete and a pod network loss and then a dns error so you're running these three experiments so if you're running them together or you're running them in series then they become a scenario eventually a chaos scenario and once the, this scenario is defined and once the other half is defining the steady state of the system so chaos engineering is again run on four principles so initially you define the steady state of the system and then you define i mean you create a hypothesis that how the how does the system behave when it's in the steady state and how uh, does the system behave when there's an alteration or an outage happening and then uh, you you run the chaos scenario and then you you find out the findings on on how the system eventually behaved 
did it went back to the initial steady state or there's probable outage that needs to be sorted out or needs to be fixed and then you eventually create your chaos hypothesis uh, around how the system behaved and and then you function tune your blast radius and these are the findings and then there, there's so much more which is expanded with chaos where there's monitoring logging tracing that that obviously you're you're pulling out some metrics you're monitoring when how does your system behave when it's steady what is going down or up when when a fault is induced so these are the findings of a, of a game day and they help you basically define how, how your systems are behaving and what needs to be fine-tuned so that after running multiple game days you eventually move that sort of a scenario into production got it so an experiment is a test a scenario is one or more tests. The game day is the plan. Yeah, if, if I have to define that in layman terms, yeah. Beautiful. To me, game yeah. day sounds a little bit like a tabletop exercise. If you know, like in the security, they have the like full-fledged simulations of a disaster where people from multiple roles are involved. I assume that with game day, you do have multiple roles that should be part of this exercise, or is it just the SREs or uh, Kubernetes uh, administrators, for instance? Now, uh, with game days, there are definitely multiple roles involved. So basically like a set of tests. First of all, you set up a time with all of your employees. You say that from this to this, we'll be doing a set of game days and anybody can join. So there's like a task that we kind of do. And then everybody comes up, they give their input that, okay, I have seen this kind of a scenario. I'm suggesting you can do something like that, something like this. So let's say somebody suggests like uh, just cut off the database, what happens? Or somebody has uh, seen a similar scenario where they had, uh, let's say, network loss. So somebody might suggest that we can club the database uh, with a network loss. These kind of exercises, we come up with like a scratch, a plan. And then once we are sure that, um, okay, these uh, set of tests uh, look fine and they are pretty much how we can replicate a uh, close to real scenario and we start testing uh, on this kind of a backup uh, system so that our prod is fine. <laughs> so when we start doing these kind of scenarios, uh, one by one, we write our findings then we take a look at uh, what went wrong, in which part of the scenario the system did not recover back to normal. And then we take these findings and then we uh, do a round of uh, brainstorming and come up with solutions. So that way our system is always ready to face uh, these kind of outages. And uh, of course, outage is not something we can control. But when it does happen, we have a safe, like a foolproof safe plan to be on recovery mode. So that is essentially what a game day would typically look like. Michael, I need to ask you, have you been using chaos engineering tools in your projects? You have been silent on that part today. <laughs> <laughs> so I have used one or two of them in the past, but I don't see it as a big part of any of my projects typically that come up. I always mention it. So the way that I split up my my consulting projects is I do like day zero, day one, day two. And in day two, I always mention that, you know, perhaps something with chaos engineering would be very beneficial from a testing perspective. I'm just not seeing heavy, heavy, heavy adoption. And it could just be the stuff that I'm working on, or it could be that chaos engineering is still emerging. Uh, you know, would Christina, would you say that you're seeing it a lot or would you would you say that it's still emerging for you as well? I feel like it is emerging more the last few years than it was before that. We also see that in the amount of chaos engineering tools that are available now. So I haven't seen 
that many organizations, like medium and small-sized organizations, talking a lot about it, but I have been recommending it in the projects where I've been involved, and one of them was really like, yes, so we should do that in the operations, uh, especially in the operations team, because they were looking into better ways to kind of simulate this scenario so that they can also test, like, for instance, the whole flow of setting up uh, all the Kubernetes clusters and applications in case of a region outage, for instance, testing that out. So they really wanted to have a simpler way to simulate these things. So there I saw like a really positive feedback. So I see it happening from time to time, not that often yet, but I think uh, I do see the benefits of it. So I, I believe that more organizations will potentially be looking more into it. Yeah, definitely larger organizations, I would see it more. Uh, I think that it's still emerging from, you know, like you said, Christina, small and medium-sized organization perspective. I do believe that at some point it will be almost a default. Um, just like, you know, if I'm writing code, like I already know I'm putting unit tests in, I'm putting integration tests in, maybe I'm putting mock tests in. That's just kind of an obvious thing. I don't have to say it out loud. Uh, and I think that that'll be the same approach that people will take with chaos engineering as well. If you would like, say, two years earlier, if you would ask the same question, chaos engineering at that point was slowly being adopted, crossing the chasm or like somewhere in the early minorities, some, something like that. But uh, as, of, as of today, what we are seeing, the trend in the growth of chaos engineering is basically people have started adopting it, but they're very hesitant to actually go ahead and try chaos engineering in their actual day-to-day -day mm. scenario. So the thing is, they are aware of chaos engineering. Two years down the line, people were just not very uh, open-minded or aware of this kind of a practice to actually go and, um, you know, kind of create an outage, simulate something like that and have failures in your system like this. But now people are open to the idea, but people know that something like this, a practice like this exists, but they are reluctant to try it in their system. They're like, okay, it's good. It's good for me, but maybe not now. So that is the thing that is happening as of today. But uh, like we saw uh, when Kubernetes was released, uh, it gradually uh, like down the line. Now, pretty much uh, 60, 70% of the large enterprise companies are uh, on Kubernetes running on top of it. So it is taking like a shift of the mindset and also making the users, the developers, the all the different kind of personas understand that this is a safe practice and we can, of course, create backups and do this kind of tests. And ultimately, in the long run, it will benefit their resiliency. The end goal is always to be more safe, better safe than sorry. <laughs> True that. <laughs> I think one scenario, not chaos engineering scenario, but general life scenario, <laughs> to kind of begin to think about or adopt chaos engineering and see how it works. I think that this would be great for something like interviews. So when you go in for like an in-person interview and like when you're going through like your coding tests or whatever like that, and you know, let's say you're going for a platform engineering style role, you could use a chaos engineering tool to blow up an environment and be like interviewee, figure out what's wrong with it. And then you can kind of create your own scenarios around like various levels of interviews for like a principal level engineer, senior level engineer, mid, et cetera. So uh, although that's obviously not what chaos engineering is supposed to be used for, I think that that would be a cool approach for organizations to get comfortable with it and to kind of see how it works. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a cool idea. So you can kind of uh, use this to misconfigure something and then let the uh, like the interviewee find out what's wrong. That's kind of also makes it like a level deeper into Kubernetes and 
you know, all those certifications that are available and also they learn a lot more in the core part of Kubernetes. So yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe that's what they're doing in the background for the Kubernetes certifications <laughs> like CK. <laughs> they don't tell us, but they're using the chaos engineering tools to, <laughs> to get you to stress out and fix those clusters. <laughs> What do you mean? I thought the certification process was uh, super smooth and fun and everybody enjoyed it. Uh yeah, <laughs> as long as you target the correct cluster, <laughs> then you're good. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> never know. Yeah, I know, right? I hope I didn't expose uh, their, their darkest <laughs> secrets <laughs> right now. Maybe you know more as the uh, the maintainers and uh, those who contribute to <laughs> to Litmus Chaos. Maybe you know something more than we do. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious! Imagine you just get a phone call now. It's like you can't tell people that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Got nervous. <laughs> So wrapping up here and kind of thinking about some some last questions, are there anything that you guys would like to add before wrapping up? Anything, you know, that you think maybe people should uh, know and understand when it comes to chaos engineering and, you know, ultimately maybe a few different directions that people can take uh, to go down the path of chaos engineering? We were talking about uh, the reluctancy there and the, the adoption level. I mean, I, I agree with the fact that, uh, let's say, large organizations are clearly looking at chaos engineering. I mean, there are so many organizations, if I have to just talk about formal adopters of Litmus, and they belong to so many various uh, backgrounds itself. Talk about the banking sector, talk about e-commerce, talk about food delivery and, and these kind of uh, organizations, they have been actively using chaos engineering because the transactions itself is so huge and so large that there's a possibility of an outage each and every day, right? And obviously, chaos has moved beyond the SRE persona, as I initially mentioned. So I think from, from that perspective and, and seeing the growth itself where small and medium uh, organizations themselves, initially it was thought that it's expensive or there's not enough expertise or we don't have the budget. Or, or we don't have the the capabilities. Let's not focus there. But, but slowly, slowly, it's it's becoming something that's that's must. Uh, because obviously, with with the amount of outages that we are seeing today, I think uh, chaos engineering has been one of the top preventive measures. I, I would say so, and it's it's been really essential in in helping reliability. With so much expanding in terms of you know health checks, in terms of uh, randomization of attacks in terms of ensuring uh, resiliency for your network layer or your infrastructure layer. So I think uh, that is something that that people should consider. And, and even with people shifting to Kubernetes, especially, I think uh, Litmus itself provides uh, a level of resiliency for your Kubernetes application. So I, I feel that whoever is listening to the podcast, if they haven't uh, shifted to chaos yet, I think it's it's something to look forward to and try at least. And and obviously being an open source project with a very active community, I, I feel that it's it's rather helpful for them to come in, use the tool, contribute back. So so that goes ahead and, and the project grows further with us also understanding what can be done better because there's a vast level of ideas that, that can come up and that can help chaos engineering. A couple of things that I also mention as a as a day zero user who is coming into user uh, litmus as let's say they want to shift and try chaos. So a lot of times what is the reluctance is like, I don't know what to do because uh, I'm in this new infra, this new environment overall, and now I need to write a 
chaos experiment. I need to create a scenario. Where do I deploy my infrastructure and stuff like that? So the good thing about Litmus, it is like been through multiple stages of community development. So it's at this stage now, where if you're coming in as a day zero developer user per se, uh, when you deploy this project, right, in your in your cluster, you already get a predefined uh, agent, which you can use to induce uh, chaos. You already get uh, all sets of experiments, these uh, mini tests, like for delete and uh, latency and these kind of things. You can, of course, uh, club them up and create a scenario. And if you're still reluctant to try these things out, I mean, the agent still gets deployed. So you already have something you can try chaos on. There are multiple uh, microservice applications. Let's say you don't have an application right now that is on Kubernetes. There are applications like Online Boutique by Google and then Potato Head or any other um, open source, full-fledged uh, microservice demo applications, which you can use and generally just try it out. So once you have that deployed, you can combine these kind of uh, tests and uh, just uh, click on run and see what happens. So nothing's going to break because it's, it's, of course, everything is a test anyways. It's easier for first-time user to go ahead and try it out. Cool. Makes sense. Christina, you have anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think that was uh, a great, uh, great wrap up. That's what I was thinking about. How do you start and what you need to think about when you start? So I think you summed it up great. So thank you so much for finding the time to join us and discuss this exciting, not so that chaotic topic. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the chance, gentlemen. Please feel free to uh, plug away any blogs or videos or projects or uh, anything else that you'd like. As I mentioned, you just joined the Litmus uh, channel on the Kubernetes Slack and, and check out the GitHub, Litmus GitHub. I think there's enough info there. There's documentation and there's enough to contribute. The project is an incubating project and it's it's looking forward to becoming a graduating one hopefully soon. So a few contributions coming in in terms of bug fixes, enhancements, and even uh, usage from, from the community really helps. So just join the Slack, check out the documentation, and that really helps you get started with chaos. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much.